Hey guys, this is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Made for This podcast. You guys are in for a special treat today because Jenny gets to talk to Christine Kane. And if you've been around If Gathering for very long, you know Christine is just a a big friend of the If Gathering family. And she is an international speaker, author. She writes Bible studies. She goes around the world sharing the gospel. And she's an activist. And you guys, when I was listening to this episode, I just had so many aha moments. And I know that you will too. So without any further ado, here is Jenny and Christine Kane. Okay, so let's go. We're going to talk about what it means to not live afraid because I know so much of this is about our faith. Yes. A.W. Tozier says, you know, put God in his rightful place and a thousand problems are solved all at once. So I'm going to ask you a question that you may hate. But Chris, you're one of the most fearless people I know. Have you ever been scared? Yes. You know, I love that you ask that because sometimes I've, I've heard people sort of say, you know, Christine, you either speak with such certitude or you seem so confident, you seem so fearless. And I think, wow, I sometimes I think I wonder why that's the case because anyone that is close to me would certainly know that along the way I consistently have to deal with my fears and my doubts in order to do the thing that God has called me to do. So I think what it comes down to, it's not that I don't have fear or that I am fearless. It's that I've learned to do things afraid because, and how I've learned to do that is ultimately I have learned to place what I do know about God above what I don't know about the future or what I might not understand about people. So I think that's what it comes in. And as you trust God more and as you grow in that, even when you're feeling feelings of fear, you do know deep down ultimately that God is good, that God does good, and he's going to work all things together for good. So normally our fears have got to do with we don't the what ifs, you know, like, man, what if this doesn't work? What if this person hates me? What if this? What if that? So you have to get to a place, I think, where you place what you do know about God above what you don't know about the future. Now, that takes time. And I think the stronger and the deeper rooted I've become, come in the word in God, probably the more solid I've become in some of my theology, it has resulted in me being able to take more risks of faith. But I would never say that I have an entire absence of fear. It's just that I know fear doesn't come from God because scripture says God has not given us a spirit of fear. So when I feel the fear, I do it anyway, because I literally say out loud, God, this fear that I'm feeling is not from you because you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. So if I don't have love, power, or a sound mind happening, I know that fear is behind that. So I have to make what I know about God bigger than the fear that I'm feeling in my emotions and my body. But it wouldn't be true to say that I never feel fear because I do. Well, let me start by saying why I invited you to this episode. Years back, I was brand new to public ministry, and I wasn't extra ambitious to go do that. I definitely had a lot of fear. I mean, I was probably the biggest wimp you've ever met. You know this, Chris. And when you met me, 
I had been praying, Lord, bring someone to help me with my fear. And I think God brings different mentors and different voices into your life at different points. And I met you and I do, I feel like, and I've told people this before, I feel like you were my courage coach. Like you were someone who who was running so far out in front of me that you made me believe that I could do more than I could at that time. And I come from a part of the church that questions women and public gifts. And I'm not saying a specific church. I'm just saying my background in more conservative church is a more of a do women have public gifts and how do they use them? There just weren't as many role models for me. And you were someone who, Chris, was just out front running so fast and so hard. And you weren't asking permission about it. You were just obeying God. And it was super clear to you. And I think what has happened for a lot of us behind you is we've just watched you set a pace that has changed our lives and has made us more and more fearless. Because I'm not the same wimp I was years ago. And I think you're a big part of that. I love that. I mean, I, I don't know that you could pay me a higher compliment than going, you are my courage coach because, <laughs> uh, you know, that's what I want to be. I mean, the Lord said to Joshua, you know, in Joshua chapter one, only be strong and very courageous. The fact that the Lord tells us to take courage, I mean, we see that throughout scripture all the time. It's something you have to proactively take and put on, which denotes in and of itself then that we would not be feeling courageous most of the time because we have to take courage, take heart, you know, be strong, be very courageous. It's like this conscious thing. I have to tell myself, you know, if I I would if I didn't do that, there would be no A21. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't with my background, I wouldn't have even gotten married. I would not have had children. I wouldn't even be doing what I'm doing if at every point I didn't have to choose courage over fear or faith over fear. And I think that's the Christian journey. The enemy sends the spirit of fear because he doesn't want us to be mm. fruitful. Because in order to be fruitful in our lives, so whatever, I mean, anyone that's listening to this podcast, you know, whatever sphere of life the Lord calls us to, what he's after is fruit because it is to our Father's great glory that we bear much fruit. But you will never bear fruit if you do not walk forward in faith despite the fear. I think we're waiting for the fear to go away when in fact it doesn't. Now you have different fears. As you grow in courage and strength, the things that I was fearful of 30 years ago, don't even I don't even notice anymore. But let's just say with, you know, every time we open a new A21 office, every time I undertake a new en- endeavor, I have to really take a deep breath and go and and do all the self-talk all over again and get out I mean I'm the nerd Jen I still (laughs) Jenny I still write things out on stick it notes like scriptures on my mirror and say (laughs) literally out loud now Christine Kane I look at myself and go, you remember, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Christine, you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. I mean, I literally stick them on there, say them out loud, and have to remind myself as much as anything else because the enemy wants to take us out. There is an enemy, and he has one goal, to steal, kill, and destroy. And the way that you do that is by paralyzing and crippling people with fear. Well, and we are. We're looking at a generation that's more afraid than ever. And it goes deep sometimes. Sometimes that that takes root in the form of anxiety. It's not always just 
a fear of accomplishing something or being brave enough to do the thing God's called you to do. Sometimes it takes the form of a really paralyzing root anxiety. Talk just a minute about that and what you see in our generation. Yeah, it, it is so prevalent. You know, I, I see it, uh, you know, I mean, Jenny, we can start right back. Um, my I've got a daughter in middle school. Yeah. I've got a daughter in high school. And, you know, my daughter's friends come over and it is extremely sobering yes. to see how many of my daughter's friends, my daughter is 13, and how many one of her friends are on are really struggling and are on medication and are missing school and just have deep-seated anxiety. So I think that shows you just how prevalent this is. And there is something going on in our culture when we are seeing astronomical rises in anxiety rates amongst teenage girls, you know, and boys as well. I mean, we're seeing it everywhere. So of course, both as a mother and as a minister, I'm pressing pause and going, what is going on, Lord? Like Mm. this is huge. I'm 53 years old. There is no doubt that it has always been in our culture, but I don't know that it's ever been in our culture to the degree that it is, Mm. whether we're measuring it more now, whether we are more aware of it now. I'm not entirely sure, but I'm looking at the data. I am reading. I'm really trying to educate myself. I'm reading everything that I can. I'm wanting to learn because I'm just watching. I mean, to have that kind of anxiety, I'm seeing it in uh, middle schoolers, you know, to do with identity, esteem, and a fear of the future. That's what I see more than anything, this fear of what kind of world, what is going on. And I think obviously some of that has got to do with the fact that um, young people just like us have got access to the news 24-7. You know, you, yeah. you can hear my daughters can see, you know, the fires in Australia that are a few streets away from where we used to live as well as, you know, um, some massive uh, tsunami in another part of Asia to where we've got an A21 office and then something that's very close to our offices in Greece to an earthquake here in America where they live and all of that they can see in five minutes. You know, like it's right. – and it is right. – it is a lot when you know people, you're connected. You know, for us as Australians moving to this nation, I've got to tell you, it was this almost caused me pause to move to America. Uh, my, my kids go in, you know, do shoot, uh, active shooting drills. I mean, I've never, Australia doesn't even have guns, you know, and so suddenly mm-hmm. I'm bringing as a mother my children to a nation to go to school where um, my kids are being taught what to do if a shooter comes. Like I, I didn't even know what to do with that in my first two months in America. It was like, what do you do with that kind of thing? And here is the reality of living in this nation. And so for me, I could have had fear to say to my husband, you know, we are not going to go to America. I am not going to raise my kids in that kind of, you know, school system. I'm going to stay here in Australia. My kids are going to go to school here where there are, you know, very strict gun laws here. I'm just trying to be really practical with you and going, there is the reality of what we are confronting in the world in which we live in order Mm -hmm. to do what God has called us to do. Again, I have to choose like every other mother and father in America every day. I mean, our prayer life, when we send our kids to school, we are truly praying. Like, I mean, it keeps you on the edge going, Father, I, I, you know, we're asking for God's protection. We're asking for God's covering. And you you carry that. And then you have to make a, because this is how you can tip over into full-blown anxiety. If you let your mind go there all day, 
yeah. every day. And I've had to make a, a choice and I'm certainly not in any way diminishing the reality. Some people, the way we're coping in, with the stresses and the pressures of modern society, you know, I mean, there are so many different causes. That's why I certainly, you know, don't want to just focus. Some people definitely need medicine enabled in order to be able to uh, cope with what's going on. I I, at this point in my life, you know, have not had to go that route. I've experienced a couple of occasions where I, I have really felt a visceral, physical, chemical response of just like, whoa, Christine, breathe very deeply because this thing could mm-hmm. spiral out of control um, if I let my yeah. I'm talking as a mother in some, some of those issues. You know, I'm involved with helping to rescue the victims of human trafficking. We have got um, two real stories where, you know, after we put in certain countries traffickers in jail, after we we had successful convictions, where four traffickers from a particular gang came into our office, my whole staff was there and they had guns and they held them all at gunpoint. I mean, that is a reality. Now, as a boss and as a leader, I'm sitting there going, I mean, I feel the responsibility of that. I feel the weight of that. Mm. I mean, I've got mothers and fathers that work in those offices and they're held at gunpoint um, and threatened. And so if I do not certainly pull it in in my uh, case um, and go, okay, so for me the scripture from Philippians, Christine, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with thanksgiving, prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart. I don't Mm. want to diminish the power of that. Now, here is the challenge, even as a Christian minister, because we're living in a world, and I thank God, we are talking so much more openly about mental health than we need to. And we are speaking about anxiety and depression. And boy, we need to. And we in the church, we need to make it a safe place. We need to discuss these things. We need to garner the help of uh, psychologists and psychiatrists and we need to thank God for the medical profession and everything that God uses to bring healing and wholeness because he uses all of it. In that mix as well, I don't think uh, it's going to help anyone if we become dismissive of scripture for fear that we are just saying to people, we'll just pray a prayer quote a scripture and you'll be okay and we know that people are not okay but that doesn't at all diminish the power of the word to bring healing and to bring wholeness and to bring a sense of peace and the way for I and since you know you're speaking to me the way I personally have continuously daily deal with some of the the things that could trigger anxiety in a huge way in my heart to do with the, just the mm-hmm. work that I do, that I'm called to do, the staff that I oversee. We have staff in very, very at-risk countries that the reality of terror, the reality of, you know, just traffickers coming after them is is a daily reality. It's not just this sensational, romantic Hollywood movie of rescuing victims of human trafficking. It's a reality. So I have to daily, daily quote my scriptures about anxiety and I have them there and I say, um, you know, Christine, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, it doesn't make sense. So people often ask me, and it's the question you lead out with, man, Christine, you seem fearless. You seem like you walk in the peace of God. And I pray that I do, but it's there's a great intentionality about what I do to do that. There are very practical things I do. You know, I stay fit because I think, you know, a lot to do with health and wellness and um, helping to sort of curb that anxiety is to to be fit and get my endorphins happening. I, I take 
very seriously the responsibility to keep my mind healthy. So there's a lot of things I never look at on social media. There's a lot of right. new stuff that I never look at. There's a lot of blogs that I never, ever look at. So I actually really am the gatekeeper of my mind. And Jenny, I couldn't tell you how serious I am about Proverbs, you know, to, that I guard my heart with all diligence for out of it flow all the issues of life. I guard my mind as strictly as anybody would guard like a prison. I, I am just like, yeah. I am extremely careful about what I listen to, about what I read, because I, like everybody else, if I am lapsed in any of those areas, I could be scrolling my way through Instagram or Twitter and end up, I can physically feel my heart rate change. I can physically feel a change begin to happen in my body and I have chosen to arrest that thing really early on and to even stop from going down that route because I've got enough things in my normal everyday life that could cause me serious stress and anxiety, let alone bringing in everything else from everyone else into my mind and into my heart. Right. Well, and I want to stop right there because I think this is core yeah. <laughs> to this issue is when I look out 30% more reports of anxiety have happened in the last few years where the anxiety rates were growing more at a level of like 1% a year. It jumped when the iPhone came out to more like 30%. And I think what we've got to recognize is we have more inputs than we've ever had. And those inputs are having a really disastrous effect on our mind and our hearts. And I I don't know that we as kind of first generation technology, you know, consumers have figured out what those regulations and those barriers should be. So when do you know, I mean, I want to get really practical here, when you get a bad feeling, when you, I know to some degree, you know, like I don't watch anything scary because I'm such a, I I will have bad dreams. Like I just am really sensitive to things that are truly scary and fear invoking. So I don't watch, you know, crime shows. I don't watch (laughs) anything because it puts fear in me. So, but I mean, that's kind of an obvious boundary for me, but then there's other things that I think cause me anxiety, but yet what are those stops for you where you know, you know what, this is not producing good in you? I instantly, when I can tell that I'm starting to lose hope, uh, like I read things like hope and faith, are very crucial because I don't know that we're not going to be able to make it in this world because the pressure is just going to increase, the anxiety is going to increase, the terror, the all of those fear things, they're not going away. I mean, if we believe what the Bible says, it's not going to go away. But God has also given us the capacity to endure in this day and not just endure but to have an abundant life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and life more abundant. So I'm consistently asking myself, Christine, what does abundant living look like in a very hopeless, fearful, anxious world? And so for me, I know that if I'm looking through things and I can... I actually can physically feel my body start to change, but even my mind and my thinking is suddenly I just don't feel quite as, I'm not talking about like happy, like chirpy. I just mean hope-filled, faith-filled. All of a sudden I'm finding that doubt, unbelief, like you've got to listen to your emotions going, okay, before I went on my feed, was I feeling more hopeful, more faithful, more believing God than when I got on it? So if I, and and do, do tests with yourself, go, what did I read 
that actually started to make me feel less than, started to diminish me. And it, it might have nothing to do with what even the person wrote, but it's my interpretation of it. So then I've learned I what they said wasn't even bad. I just cannot. I'm not in a place where I can process that stuff well or I, or somehow that sort of stuff just does not set me full of faith or hope. So you're not going to find me on social media bantering or arguing or doing whatever because you know what? I'm just not wired up to be able to do that. I just it, on the it so depletes me. It's so I want to fill people with faith. I want to pe- fill people with hope and courage. Now courage to me does not cripple and paralyze you. C- courage activates you. So I'm finding anything that I feel cripples me, paralyzes me, makes me feel less than, or if my anger, and I'm so glad you're doing this series on emotions, you know, I loved your one on anger, but if my anger is going to cause other people to shut down, to be crippled, to be paralyzed, then I'm I'm not doing what God's asked me to do. And so I'm not being faithful to the Lord. And sometimes our reaction, our anger, when we sort of just speak out of our emotions, I think we we help to add anxiety into those situations. I can see it in my own home. I can see it with my uh, daughters, my husband. If, you know, I'm a strong personality, obviously. So I have to really monitor lots of things um, because my youngest daughter in particular is extremely sensitive. So I have to be, you know, I could trigger a whole lot of anxiety in her if I'm not even yeah, thinking. It's good. I'm not thinking at all. I'm just being Chris. You know, I'm just like, I've got nothing. Yeah. Know, I love her. That, But because she is so sensitive, I have to be extremely conscious of my tone, uh, my cadence, how I say what I say, when I say what I say, because what would not bother me at all could truly trigger her big time and she's very, very sensitive. And so I've learned to work with that and go, okay, Christine, you know, you have a responsibility. And so not just to my children, but then to the people that the Lord's allowed me to serve, I have to understand that, you know, if I just kind of shoot something off without thinking on social media, as many people as the Lord's given me the power to help and the ability to help, I can harm that many people as well. So I'm very conscious of all of that. We want to communicate with you and let you know the things that are happening with the podcast and ask you some questions as well. So text Jenny Allen, J-E-N-N-I-E-A-L-L-E-N to 31996. That's Jenny Allen, one word, to 31996. And we will add you to our text stream and we'll send you all kinds of fun stuff, free stuff, communication and questions. We want you to be a part of the conversation. Well, okay, let's talk about something that I think is core to your fearlessness. And I know you're not fearless. I know you have fears. I'm just, yeah. um, for the sake of, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. the rest of us. <laughs> what I want to talk about perspective, because I think something about the way you view God, and you taught me this early. I remember one of the first times we were hanging out together, we were at dinner, and you were introducing me to several of your friends. And you said, you know, Jenny, your side of the church has kind of gone with this mentality of like, it's your sin and your depravity that's going to bring you to the cross. And my side of the church has been more like, let's run out 
And when we fall, like we're going to come back to the cross because, but, but I came home and told Zach that, and he was like, oh, we're going to live that way from now on. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not saying that we're not in touch with our depravity or sin, but we are not going to continue to grovel in it and live paralyzed as if our weakness defines us. And you have taught me that. And so I want to talk about your perspective of, scripturally and just what you understand about God and yourself that allows you to kind of run out front without this, you know, fear of messing it up or appearing prideful or whatever it might be that I had to catch up with. I love that. And I love that question because I think that's what often stops us. Um, And I think, you know, a a thing I hear constantly is, well, Christine, you know, I don't want to take any glory away from God. You know, and and some of these things are are quite healthy that, of course, we don't want, you know, pride is the sin that caused the enemy to be cast out of heaven. So, you know, it's it's a big deal. Um, So, but here's the thing, me on my best day, on my best day, does not have the capacity to take one inch of God's glory. Like it, it wouldn't matter how Amen. good I want. I always think people that get worried about, I don't want to take any glory from God. I'm like, how small is your God? If your God is that small that me on my best day <laughs> could take one inch of God's glory, then your God is way too small. And so I'm like, no, no, no. My God is so big that it wouldn't matter how much I shone. God is very secure and he he actually is, his glory way extends that. And here's the deal. When we talk about glory, there's a couple of things, you know, obviously it is to our father's great glory that we do what? That we bear much fruit. So living small, minimal lives, how does that bring great glory to God? I'm not saying spectacular lives. I'm not talking about an Instagram worthy life. I'm talking about a life that is less than entirely fruitful for you, whatever that would be. So it is to our father's great glory. Scripture says that we bear much fruit. So all the people that are kind of like, I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to take any glory from God. And you end up bearing less fruit than God put you on the earth to bear. Then I I would say that is diminishing the glory of God way more than me doing everything God put me on the earth to do. And also Matthew 5. That's so good. Matthew says, um, you know, that, um, that let your light so shine before men. Now let's finish the scripture. That they may what? See your good works and do what? Glorify your Father in heaven. So everyone that's talking about, oh, no, I don't want to take any glory from God. and I, I don't want anyone to see my good works. Now, there's plenty of things we need to be doing in private, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the, there's, of course, the scripture that the right hand doesn't need to see what the left's doing. There's all of that. But ultimately, the fact that I pray that I can live a life that brings great glory to God, the best way I can bring great glory to God is not by minimizing myself, but it's by being extremely fruitful. That's going to bring glory to God and by doing lots of good works um, so that people can glorify my father in heaven. So I don't know how complicated this is. It's pretty simple. So if I, of course, how many times, you know, do I, I am forgiven? Of course, I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God. It is grace alone. Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace you've been saved, not works, lest any man should boast. Of course, it's God's grace. But let's finish the next couple of verses. We go to Ephesians 2, 10, for I am his workmanship. This is what I'm created for, created for good works that God prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. So I'm saved by grace for good works. And I do those good works so that my father in heaven is glorified. And so it's just not complicated. Therefore, we need to do what we can do so that we can flourish 
and we can be fruitful and it brings God the greatest amount of glory. And I think a lot of it comes, if you look at the spies in Numbers 13, the Lord had already told them in the book of Exodus, I've given you the promised land. The Lord said it, I've given it to you. So when he told Moses to get the 12 spies to go and scout out the land, he wasn't, he was sending them on a reconnaissance mission, not so that they could come back and go, I don't know, maybe we could take it. I don't think we could take it. The Lord was not asking them if they can take the land because he'd already made the promise. It was a done deal. I've given it to you. He says, go in and possess that you might inherit. Go in and possess what I've already given you. And so he says, I've already done that. So he was not asking them to see if. He was sending them in to see how they were going to take the land. But then, of course, 10 came back with the negative report. So this shows you unbelief and a negative report will keep an entire generation out of their destiny. And so my thing is when people go, well, Christine, you know, man, you've got a positive confession, Christine, because I know the power of a negative confession to keep a generation out of their destiny. So that is why you will only see me speak life and tweet life and post life because I truly believe what I'm telling you. I think this is what activates people. Only two people, obviously we know Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report and they said, we are well able. And so in today's vernacular, we'd be saying, that's prideful. Christine Kane, that is so prideful that you think we are well able. I'm like, what do you mean that's prideful? God said it. I am only going to do <laughs> what God said. We're going this false humility that I'm a worm. Oh. That is literally what they said in number 13. We are grasshoppers in our own eyes and so we are yep. in theirs. And this is why it's important that we see ourselves how God sees us because However you see you, that's how people will see you. So they saw themselves as grasshoppers, so their enemies saw themselves as grasshoppers. The difference is, and I think this is how I can overcome fear, I don't see myself as a grasshopper. I don't see myself as a worm. I see myself as a daughter of the king filled with God-given destiny, filled with God-given potential, created in the image of God, empowered by the spirit of God to do the works of God on this earth to bring heaven to earth. So it is from that place that my perspective to to the future and to life goes. And ultimately, I don't lose hope. I, I, I see the depravity of humanity. I deal with such evil when it comes to human trafficking. It's not that I'm ignorant of pain or suffering. I myself have, you know, I've, have, have, have fought through cancer. I have had abuse. I've had rejection, adoption, abandonment. I've made plenty of mistakes. I've had pain and suffering, loss and betrayal all of the reality of all living in this fallen world, but I still don't lose hope in that because ultimately I believe Jesus is coming back and we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. And so because my hope is rooted in eternity and not in my circumstances and Jesus already has the victory, no matter what pain or suffering or injustice or hurt or situation that I have, I'm still full of hope because I'm coming at it from the lens of eternal victory, not temporal defeat. And so that doesn't mean you deny the reality of your circumstances, but you have the strength to walk through with courage despite the pain and the suffering and the hurt. And so then you don't have to be taken out by fear and doubt and anxiety. You could still come at it 
from the lens of, yes, there are giants. That's Joshua and Caleb. They had giants in the promised land. The giants were there. They didn't deny the giants. They didn't deny the the thick walls that they would have to bring down. They did not deny the enemies, but they chose to see it from the lens of victory that God had already given Mm. them rather from the lens of defeat of their own stature. And a lot of that, and I think sometimes even rooted in our fear and in our anxiety, is that what we do is we bring God down to our size. And so we know that we can't cope and I can't cope. I I, I never pretend that I can cope. I don't think I'm a superwoman or wonder woman or superhuman. In fact, I'm profoundly aware of the fact that I'm not. And so that takes all the pressure off me trying to impress anybody. I know who my God is and my faith is in my God. So then you know what? I've made plenty of mistakes and I don't say that, you know, lightly. I have made plenty of mistakes, but I'm not going to wallow in them because God's grace is sufficient. So you either believe that or not. And I'm not going to look internally. I think if we try to look too far in, then we're going to find uh, we're going to even increase our pain and our suffering and our anxiety. I, I sort of look up to Jesus and then I look behind me because goodness and mercy are following me. And so literally some people would think I'm weird. During the day, I look over my shoulder, I go, hi, goodness, how you doing? Hey, mercy, I know <laughs> I can't outrun you. You are with me because you said, Lord, that they're going to follow me all the days of my life. And so, Christine, you expect goodness. Yes, I expect mercy. Yes, because they're following me all the days of my life. Mm. I know that somebody's listening right now and they're going, yes, yes, yes. They're saying it out loud in their car on their run (laughs) and they're saying yes. But for some reason, for their own lives tomorrow, they're going to have to make a choice Uh because while goodness and mercy may be following them, they also see a lot of darkness. Yes on their tails too. So I want you to pray for everyone listening, but I also want you to just close speaking to that person that says, tomorrow morning, I want to believe this too. I I think that is so powerful because I want you to know, I have to choose to do this every day, just like every one of us. And that's why scripture says, his mercies are new every morning. And I think any of us that think that we've arrived, then that is what is going to make us even more fearful because we never arrive. This is how God keeps us utterly dependent upon him. I want you to know that peace is, it's not a personality type. It's not, well, you know, Chris is just an Enneagram 8 or Chris is a high D or, you know, that's her strength finder. I want you to know that freedom and peace, it's, it's not a it's not an Enneagram type. It's not a personality type. It's a blood type. It's, it comes from the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood that was shed mm. at the cross of Calvary. And that peace that surpasses all understanding is available to all of us. And, you know, anyone that's listening that, you know, you're, you're seeing, you're, you're working with a therapist, you're taking medication. That's all part of God's healing as well. I, I want you mm. to, to never feel less than. That is so important. I have seasons in my life. I'm in and out of times where where I go to therapy and I and I work through things with people. So I have very close friends in my life that I'm constantly talking to. Sometimes we don't have the strength to go to Jesus ourselves. We need a few friends that are going to carry us and drop us through the roof to the feet of Jesus. And I've got those friends mm-hmm. in my life because not all of us can carry ourselves to Jesus every day. So I never want you to feel afraid of having friends to help carry you. But I do believe that in the day and the hour in which we live, that is full of such pain, that is full of such fear, that is full of such anxiety. I do believe that we have access 
to a supernatural peace. It's not natural. It doesn't make sense. But a supernatural peace, and Philippians says it's the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And I'm going to pray for you right now, whether you're on the treadmill, you're in your car listening to this, you could be in a fetal position on the floor in your bedroom, and you think, I'm not going to make it another day. I am going to believe God that this prayer is going to, you're going to see the supernatural peace of God come and flood that space where you are right now and you're going to feel the tangible presence of God and his peace. So Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for Jenny and the phenomenal witness that she is and the phenomenal ministry that you've given her and the voice that you've given her in this day and this hour. Thank you that it is a voice of hope and a voice of life and it's gospel truth. And Father, I pray for every person that's listening to this podcast, wherever they are in the world and wherever they find themselves in this moment, I thank you that you see them. Father, you see them, you know them, you hear the cry of their heart. You are not absent. You are faithful, even if they don't feel you. You are our very present help in our time of need. So, Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that your supernatural peace will truly flood every heart listening to this. Father, mama's hearts that are so anxious about their children. Father, uh, young people that are so anxious about the future. Someone right now wondering whether they're even going to live another day. Father, I speak hope into their life. I speak purpose into their life. I speak peace into their life. I pray, Jesus, that you would make yourself real and known and palpable to them in this moment. I speak the hope of God and the peace of God into every life and heart in Jesus' name. Amen, Lord. Hey, hey, everyone. This is Chloe. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jenny and Christine Kane. Christine has a new Bible study book out called 2020 seen, chosen, and sent. You can find that on Amazon and we'll put all of the links to Christine's website and all of her books in the show notes. We just want to thank you guys so much for every review that you've left, for the ratings you left on iTunes, and for listening to it on Spotify, Podbean, Google Play, wherever you're listening right now. Thanks for joining us. We want to thank Heather on iTunes. She said, I feel like I gain a wise mentor in Jenny through listening to her podcast. It is exactly what I've needed to hear and be challenged in. She points people to Jesus and shares her own struggles that I relate to so much. Thank you, Heather, for leaving that review. And would you do something for me today? Would you leave a review and a rating for the podcast? It is just so incredible how you guys have supported this whole journey with Jenny and with the podcast. And it just means the world to us when you leave your reviews. So we appreciate you. Thanks for listening today. And we will see you guys for another episode of the Made for This podcast. Podcast.